here. I just have, I, do you look how God kept us last week? We give him honor and praise. God, I give you honor and praise. Lord, I give you honor. You kept us when you didn't have to. But you did. You kept us. You kept us right here in this building, Lord. For the every whether it be on your left hand or the right didn't matter, God. You kept us right here, Lord. You overshadowed us. God, there's trees down all around this building. Coming up right up close to this building, Lord. We didn't even know about it. We didn't even know, Jesus. You kept us, not a dent in our cars, not a single dent, God, from that hail. No dent, God, our little camper didn't blow over. Trees down around that camper, but that thing's still standing. God, you are so merciful, and I am taking the time. And this body, Lord, we won't be like the ten, the nine lepers that didn't come back to thank you. Lord, we're going to be like the one that came back and thanked you. And he, you told that one leper that he would be made whole. I don't know what happened to the other nine, Lord, but it makes me think theirs might have come back. But he was made whole. Lord, we come and give you praise. We will not neglect, Lord, to thank you and recognize that you kept us when you didn't have to. You did it, Lord. And we thank you for it. And we give you that honor and that praise. Hallelujah. Oh, do you love him this morning? I tell you, we were in this building. I know people talk about things all the time, but this was us. We were right here. And out of nowhere, that hail just, and it was big old hail. It wasn't little marble. I didn't see it. But I could hear it. It was big old hail. And y'all know what? The door blew open. Was that not the strangest thing? And I, it was like I, it was the hand of God, the breath of God. That door blew open and it needed to be open. I don't know. I just knew it was right. We didn't close it. We went back there and stood and watched. And there was trees falling. All kind of crazy stuff. But yet the peace of God was on every one of us. I called on him. You better, yeah, I called on him, but that didn't mean I didn't have peace. And I remember praying, you keep our cars from that hail. I, I remember praying that, and he did. I've been in little bitty hailstorms and had dings on my car. The pastor's car, the pilot right now has got dings on it. But God kept us. And then that tree, I had no idea. I had no idea. God did. His angels kept us. And they protected us. I am so thankful for that today. And I am thankful that he called us together this morning to meet as a body. We are a functioning body. And we are well able. We are well able to possess this land. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it. I'm excited in him today. Frustrations in the natural, sure. But no, no, you don't think Paul didn't have some frustrations? I believe he did. And vexations, I bet he was pretty upset sitting in the jail a lot of times, don't you think? And he was like, if I could just be out there, if I could just be preaching the gospel, right? Don't can't you imagine him just pacing if this fetters would let him. Lord Jesus, I need to be putting up a tent. 
I need to be out there. They can't, people can't get saved if I'm not out there. Lord Jesus, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Jesus? He's chained to a wall. You know what he's, the Lord told him? The word of God is not bound. It's what he told him. His prayers. In, have y'all thought about that? Have y'all thought? I know he did a lot of preaching. But he was in jail a lot of times. And I know that zeal. God might have had him in there to get rest. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe God had him in there so people would get their eyes off of him and get their eyes on Jesus. How about that? He was an apostle, but he wasn't our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Think about it. Think about it. You've got to get into the Word of God and think about it. You've got to put your head into it. Use this brain and the imagination that God gave you. Set the scene. That's why sometimes visual you know, plays or dramas done right, they help you. You know, or just your own imagination or talking it out. But think about it. I thought about Paul sitting there like, folks aren't getting saved. Folks aren't getting saved. Here I am, another few days in jail. Just think all the people going to hell right there because I'm not out there preaching. No, he was using the church. He was using the rest of the body. If Paul was meant to do it all, what was all the other church folks for? What about Timothy? Why did he bother to raise up Timothy and all the others? We, don't, you know, we only have a smidgen of what happened. We, we only have the documents that were recovered. We don't know everything. It's not written. If it's written, it hadn't, the documents haven't been discovered. You know, so you've got to let the Holy Ghost enlighten you, right? Does that make sense? It helps me when I think like that. I'm going to let Brother Donald let him... I just obey the Lord this morning, but I want to share something the Lord put in my spirit yesterday that was actually rather interesting to me. I got thinking about Jesus. And we know he was born a man, right? But yet we know he was the son of God. Well, if he, how did he come to know that he was the son of God? His mother, Mary... Think about it. It's not in the scripture. I'm going to think about it. Put it in context. God visited Mary. Didn't he send that angel? And then he visited Mary again. uh, And after at the the temple when they dedicated him, Uh, a man, Simeon spoke by the word of the Lord of what was going to happen to Jesus, that he had come to save many, that her heart would be pierced. All of that, that scripture in there. So as Mary, don't you know as a mama, God gave her a charge over that child. And I feel very sure she took it seriously. And from the, every opportunity and moment she had, she said, Now, Jesus, you understand me? You're the son of God. God has a call on your life, and there's a plan and a mission for you. And I want you to understand that. Do you hear me, son? You're probably not going to play football like everybody else. You might not. You're the son of God, and he's got a plan for you. Have you ever thought about that? She took him to the temple. She was a good Jew girl, a little good Hebrew. She did her job. But think about it a step further. Did God not visit Moses in the wilderness or out in the desert with the flaming bush, the burning bush? Think about Samuel. He was a young child. And God spoke to him. And Eli trained him to hear the voice of the Lord. 
David. Look at all the chosen. How about John the Baptist? He wasn't even raised in the temple. How did he know anything? We will, because he was raised in the, he was in the wilderness. His mother, right? Y'all, you know, read his little story. So, think about it. I'm sure his mother taught and his parents taught him. Zechariah was a priest. So I feel sure he was taught, but he was kept apart. How did he know? I always just figured, you know, God, however God would talk to him, he would. He did, right? But does anybody ever stop to think? All those people we can accept God spoke to. But because we don't see those first 30 years of Jesus' life except when he was 12 years old, I've never thought about the fact, hey, God preached to Abraham, right? Then, why do we think it's not possible that he preached to Jesus and told him who he was? Did anybody ever think of that? I was 10 years old the first time when God spoke to me audible. I was only 10. I think that's young. But Jesus, I sh- could have been even younger. Eli, for, I mean Samuel, for some reason I'm thinking he was about five. But I don't know that. I don't know that, but I'm kind of thinking that. But he was a young child anyway. So why? Why would we, why would, if he was the son of God, why wouldn't God Almighty counsel him and train him? Why not? Why not? If he trains all these other men of God, why wouldn't he have trained the chosen son of God? That makes perfect sense to me. That makes, yes, and his mama did her part, taking him to the temple, learning what the uh, Pharisee, you know, learning the law and that he needed to learn. That was his job. He He was to learn that. But he knew by the time he was 12, He knew he was about his father's business, and then it wasn't Joseph. He was talking about his heavenly father. So that shows me right there he had already been communing with the Lord. That excites me. And I look at my own life. I said, boy, I wished at 10 years old, I I wish I'd have kept. I had a hunger in there for a while. I always wanted to do the good things of God. My sisters called me goody two-shoes and things like that. But I got off track. I didn't pursue it. That's where I was going with that. Man, what would have happened if I'd have kept my life only doing what pleased my father, right? Have we ever thought about it like that? I didn't. I went on and did my thing. But Jesus pursued his father's will. And that just encouraged me when, when I started thinking about that and the reality of, huh, we don't know. There's no record. But it makes perfect sense if he's the very son of God that Jesus, that our heavenly father would take the time to invest in him and give him instruction. He had to choose it. Let's go revisit those men of old that I brought up. Let's look at Moses. He missed it, right? In the end, right, he didn't go to the promised land. He missed it. Look at Samuel. He ended up having children that were... Hop nine Phineas, I think was his kids, messed up in the temple. Go on to David, a man after God's own heart, who we know God's hand was on and God had chosen, but his will got involved. He messed up. Look at all the ones. Even Elijah, he got a poor pitiful me. I'm the only one, right? He was a prophet, chosen of God. God spoke to him clearly, but yet his will, he still fulfilled the will of God, but you get what I'm saying. You know, he got a little down and out in there. But 
Jesus still had to make that choice, even though God counseled with him, just like God spoke to me. But eventually, I went my own way, right? We all, but Jesus didn't. That's the difference. He had the choice, but he chose. He chose. He chose. He chose. He chose. He chose. And I'm so thankful. That just helped my spirit and my mind when that just started coming to me and thinking on that. You know, he chose. And you think, I think about Mary. Man, what a charge she had. What a responsibility. She had other children that I know that she loved, but boy, she, that one, she was like, mm, uh, mm, mm. no, 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 no rock music up in this house. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing this here. This, no, no. Because it was her job until he could make his own choices. That was her job. Isn't that beautiful? Takes the body. He was born a baby who had to have a diaper, had to grow teeth, had to nurse, right? He had to learn to crawl, learn to walk. Mama had to teach him. Hallelujah. She taught him those things of God because he chose her. I bet, no, I bet, I am confident that the Lord visited Mary again somewhere and said, and gave her instruction. What He gave Joseph dreams like, look here, y'all better get out of here. This is fixing to happen. Just because it drops out of the scripture doesn't mean it didn't happen. That just makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. I can't say where it would be in scripture if it's in there, but I can say I felt like that was God's wisdom that came to me, gave me enlightenment and understanding of our Lord and Savior that he could do it, so can I. Because I did compare it to my own life. I was like, yeah. You always chose and I didn't. That's it, you know. He always chose to do the Father's will and I didn't. I chose to do my own will. And therefore, this is where I am and that's where he is. But I had that grace because of what he did. Because of what he did. And the spirit that he gave us gives me that ability to be just like him. I love it. I love it. I love him. I love him and I'm so thankful for him today. I'm so encouraged in him today. Hallelujah. Let's just take a minute and reach out to the Lord and see how else he's going to talk to us today. Let's just open our hearts and open our minds. Lord, let's just leave all the cares of this world behind. Lord, just bring us up, Lord. Elevate our minds and bring us into your presence, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just let us be covered in your righteousness and your grace, Lord, and your mercy. Lord, that we can just come before your throne and let you minister to us because it's nothing we can do in this life, Lord. Nothing in this world is going to do it, but it's your spirit, Lord. Not by might, not by power but by your spirit saith the lord hallelujah oh hallelujah i thank you for smiling on us right here today god i thank you lord i thank you for taking the time lord to care about us order our steps lead us god lead us and let us be subject oh lord to the working of your spirit God, I want to be subject to the working of your spirit, Lord. I can't change myself. None of us in here, Lord, we can apply disciplines, Lord, but the true change has to come by your spirit, Lord, or that thing will pop right back up, whatever we're trying to conquer. God, it's got to come by your spirit, Lord. Let us be made in your divine nature. 
God, let us be made like you, Lord. I love you today, Lord. I thank you for that holy name of Jesus. Lord, there is so much that goes with that name of Jesus, Lord, there is so much that you are, God, that we don't even understand, Lord, it is exceedingly above, Lord, that we can ask or think, Lord, I can't even comprehend the unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, I love you today, Lord, I love you today, I feel you opening our minds. Lord, in our spirits, God, I want that understanding. God, let that spirit of enlightenment move into our hearts. Ask him to enlighten you today. Ask him to open your understanding. Hallelujah. He told us in the first of the year that we would declare his kingdom, that the truth would make us free. I'm ready to walk free today. I'm ready to walk free in that liberty that you have, God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I give you that honor, Lord. I do. I give you honor, Lord. I feel you. Oh, I feel you opening up my mind and my spirit. God, you just put us in the same mind, Lord, the mind of your spirit. God, each member here. God, everybody that's listening, God, you just bring us into the mind of your spirit. God, that we flow together, Lord, in the working of your spirit. God, and minister to us today. Minister to us today, God. Strengthen our pastor today, God, as he brings the word. Open his understanding. Give him that ability. Give him that ability to minister that word and break it down in a fashion that we can receive it. God, you strengthen him. God, and I ask it, Lord. I ask that you touch Fort Payne today, Brother Michael and the people there, God. And Jasper, Alabama, God, Brother Mark and the people there, God, you strengthen them, God. You strengthen them, God, and you encourage them, God. Sister Linda in Mississippi and her church, God, you strengthen them, God. And you bring us on into the truth, God. We need laborers, Lord. We need laborers. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for the stirring of your spirit. Thank you, oh, for being so merciful to us. Hallelujah. Just say hallelujah. Just tell him you love him. I don't care what you say. Hallelujah. Just let him know you love him this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I love him. I love him. I love him. Let me tell you this, and then we'll move forward. We've been reading this book. I don't talk a lot about extra things besides the Bible, but we've been reading this book about prayer, and it's based on the movie. Y'all have heard us talk about that movie, War Room, which has to do with prayer. And this thing has been a, it's called a battle plan for prayer, I think is what it's called. I t- we just finished it. And that book has inspired me, Sister Pat, in more ways that I, I got to go back through the book that it says to use it as a handbook. And I have found specific ways to pray for my family. I don't know about y'all, but I've had times I just hit a roadblock when it comes to praying for my family. You know, I'm just like, I don't know. They're just lost, you know. But that prayer doesn't go very far. <laughs> but they, get, they list out specific things to pray for them. Pray for God to open their understanding. Pray for conviction to come to their hearts. Just different things. And I said, ooh, I'm going to take that. And I'm going to pray. This last chapter was about praying for our church and for the leadership of our church. I was, I was astounded. I thought, I've been in church all these years. I might have prayed that prayer here and there. But to pray it on a regular basis. I'm going to be diligent to do that for this, not just the leadership of the church, but for the body of Christ. We need divine leadership 
I'm not going around this mountain again. I'm not going another 40 years in the wilderness. We are getting this thing done. The Lord already told us we were able. So whether we're the leadership or somebody else is the leadership, I don't really know and I don't really care. I just want the leadership to get up and do their job and let's go. Let's do this. But that was so specific and it was so helpful to give me a way to pray. They just attack every different opportunity, different things in your lives, strategies for prayer. So I committed myself to be, I'm going to do that. I, I wrote out my family. Different one of the ones that I've been most, well, all, whatever, ones I was concerned about. And I took that page of that prayer. Man, I just, the Lord was right there. He was listening and I felt traction. I'm like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen now. I can feel it. I felt the witness. I said, this is going to happen, Brother Donald. Write Josh's name down. Write Renee's name down. Whoever else, your brothers, whoever else you got. You're, I think you've got a niece that sometimes you've told me about. Write their names down. Go to page 191 in that book. Call out those prayers. That thing is for real. Oh, it just empowered me. Then the end of the book, I don't have the page number, but that end where it talks about praying for that leadership in your church. I am going to be faithful. I don't care if it is my husband or somebody else. I don't know what, called, what God's called Brother Michael to. I don't know. I don't, I, he didn't reveal that to me. I know he's a leader. Brother Mark, they're leaders. And there's others. I'm going to pray for them. Do it. Be diligent. Commit to the Lord. That be faithful to pray for these things. I am. I'll put it that way. I am. And I know I'm not going to be the only one. There's fruit. There's in numbers. There's strength in numbers. So if I know I'm praying in my prayer time, I've already read the book. Now it's time to go pray. It's time to get praying. Apply it. I know Sister Deborah's going to be at her house in her rocker after those kids are gone. And she's going to be praying. She's going to go, mm-hmm. I got these folks right here. She's going to pray those prayers. And then she's going to say, I got a pastor. I got a whoever. And I'm going to pray for them. It strengthens me to know somebody else is. So I wanted to throw that out there today. Amen. Apply it. Apply it to your life. It encouraged and excited me. But I'm going to let Brother Donald just see how the Lord leads. If you, you know, if he doesn't lead you very far, that's fine. It's however he leads. And if you, you know, won't have... The song, that's fine too. However you feel led, but it's going to obey the Lord. I really felt his spirit moving on you in prayer. So I want to give you that opportunity to, to open up to him. Praise the Lord. Ain't God good this morning? You know, just talking about prayer and that grandson of ours, our biological grandson, you know, I really see something happening in him. And it's because I've, I pray for him constantly, you know. I said, God, you keep your hand upon him, protect him. And, Lord, I'm asking you to save him at an early age. And I'm asking you to call him to the ministry. I've asked God that so many times. That's a special prayer that I got for him, that God would call him into the ministry, that God would use him for a word, put that word in him, that he would be a word minister, one that has such a love for God that, he would chase after God that he wouldn't even learn the things and the ways of the world. You know, that's my prayer. That's, for, that's my prayer for him. And here lately, just like the other day when that storm got to happening, he seen the storm. What did he do? 
He went and got on his knees and prayed. I was standing at the door, and I was asking God to move the storm, but I didn't have no idea. I had agreement with me. Back there in the hall, kneeled on his knees, prayed, and asked God to move that storm. I didn't, you know, the Bible says, if any two agree on touching anything, let it be established. I was standing at the door praying and asked God to move that storm because we got some trees around the house. If it gets bad and they come down, they're going to come onto the house. And we didn't really need that, not only for the danger of hurting somebody, but just for the destroying of our home. But he was back there and he was asking God to move the storm. And I was at the front door and asking God, you know, to let the storm pass. And I don't know, but just as quick as I started speaking it, and I know he was praying in there, I seen that winds just start dying down. The trees just barely was moving. But I didn't know until later that that he was in there praying and asking God to move the storm. The Bible says train a child up in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he'll not depart from it. It didn't say teach him. It said train him. And whenever you start trying to train somebody, you, you take them through the motions, and you take them through it several different times until they learn it. And sometimes I think it would do even older people to to learn how to train themselves to do something, just like in that battle uh, uh, prayer and everything, that war book. If we would, I've started reading it. Of course, I ain't got all the way through it, but I've started reading it. I've got several pages of it read, but what I have read, it's really been an encouragement to me and a help to me in reading it, but I need to finish it. But we have watched, we have watched the movie a couple, three times, and it seemed like every time you watch it, it's, it's always something else that comes out about it that you see that you didn't see before. It's like, you know, God is just keeps showing you stuff in it that you didn't see beforehand. And uh, you got to, you know, I, I felt like it was a focus on prayer that, you know, we, we get so tied up sometimes in our prayers that we don't get focused. You have to be focused on your prayers whenever you pray on on Pacific things and and when whenever Sister Lisa was talking, my mind began to wander and I and my mind does that sometimes. It just gets to wandering about different things and, and everything and and uh and I was thinking about the homecoming that's coming up in May. You know, I, I I really feel good about this homecoming, Sister Pat. And I really believe it's gonna be a breakthrough. And this is just what I felt. I feel like it's going to be a breakthrough for this church and for this community. And I believe people really need to encourage people that used to even come to this church to be at every day of this homecoming. Because as far as I know, unless I'm wrong, and Pastor can correct me wrong, but I think we're going to have a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday service under the tent out here. And I really feel like God is going to do more than this time. On Sunday, everybody having a, eating a natural food. I believe that the people will really come to this every night of this service here at this homecoming. I believe God's going to bring some people back home to this church, Sister Pat. I really believe it. I really felt it over a while ago that God's going to deal with some people. They're going to be people in this church that used to come here a long time ago. I don't know who they are. You know who they are, but I don't know. And I know someone probably family. But I really believe God's going to do a breakthrough and what God is wanting to do in this community during this homecoming. I really believe it. I felt it. And I really believe people really need to invite these people to come. Because I really believe God's going to do an explosion out here those three days, those three nights, those Friday and Saturday and Sunday. 
I believe God's going to do something in that service. I believe God's going to stir up the spirit here in this Cardiacae, L.A.J. I really believe it. My whole heart, Sister Lisa, no one said if I didn't believe it. But boy, I tell you, do we not need it? We need a we need something that that goes out through this town. You know, when you was talking about John a while ago, and and I was reading our where. Well, I wasn't reading. I just glanced at it. I just flipped over there, and but it seemed like it was kind of funny in a way that you got to talk about John, and you know, and Jesus came down and told John, said, whenever he was baptizing in the River Jordan, said, about being baptized, and John told him, said, I have need to be baptized by you, and Jesus told him, said, John, come on, said, let's. Let the scriptures be fulfilled, that righteousness be fulfilled. But you know, and I got to thinking about, well, John, there where John was in the Jordan baptizing the people. Then Jesus came up and wanted to be baptized. And then he said, after Jesus was baptized, when he came up out of the water, said the spirit and the shape of a dove came lit up on him. But you know, I got, I even went further, I got to thinking about it, even when John was thrown into prison. He was wanting to know, he was wanting to know if Jesus was the one. But Jesus sent a messenger back and told him the things that you go back and you tell him the things that he saw. But you know, even though he questioned, even though he baptized him in the Jordan River, he still had had wondered, you know, is he the one? He said, didn't he see the, you know, the sick healed and the dead raised and all these miracles and everything, he said, go tell him that, that the things that, that he has saw. But still, sometimes we not get in a place where we question ourselves, is Jesus really with me? Is, is he really with me? Am I, am I really wondering? Can I really trust to step out? Lots of times we don't have things to happen like we want them to because we draw back. And I'm in the world's worst about drawing back. You know, you feel, Sister Kathy, you feel something you feel it in your heart to do it. You feel it in your spirit to do it. But you get thinking, what if I make a fool of myself by stepping out? What if I make a uh, fool of myself by stepping out? And we'll, and we'll pull back. We'll pull back lots of times. And and I've been world's worst about it. And uh, But you know there's one thing about it. Sister Lisa talking about it uh, she was at the age of 10 when God spoke to her in an ultimate way. And uh, I think I was probably about 12, Sister Lisa, when, whenever uh, I knew God had something for me, about 12, I think it was, because my brother had just got his license, and he was going to a church, and 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 I wanted to go because I just wanted to ride with him because he had his license. And I was just going along for the ride. But sometimes we don't realize what we're doing. It's really divine will of God what you're doing. And did I know that me wanting to go so bad, it was exactly what God wanted and probably ordained by God for me to, to go because we went, and uh, I won't never forget it, and 
and uh, and two preachers was preaching a revival in Jamestown, Alabama, down there, and uh, and we drove up there. It wasn't too far from the house, and and he's preaching revival. And I can remember when the altar call was given that. God has spoke to my heart, Sister Lisa. He spoke to me. And uh, I felt the Spirit dealing with me, and, and me and him both was saved at the same night. You know, and, and I can remember just stepping out into the hallway, surrendering, that I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to give my life to him at the age of 12 year old. From the time I stepped out into the alleyway, I didn't know how I got there, but I know I got there. Don't know how long I stayed, don't even know what I said. But I know when I got up from there, I felt clean. I mean, just pure clean. I felt clean. Boy, I, I knew I'd been saved. I know God had saved me. But, you know, I always had a grandmother that prayed, and my mom went to church, but never did really have nobody to really to teach me, to train me, to, to bring me along in, in the Christian walk. And, and when you get saved, if you don't have somebody to mentor you and stick with you and stay with you and protect you. See, I was a baby in Christ. I didn't know the enemy was going to come. Didn't have no idea. I just like an infant whenever a baby is born. You can't walk off and leave them. you got to, you got to stay with them. I mean, these, these, these are training there and these are raising up that you've got to do, that the mothers has got to do. I mean, my wife, She, whenever our kids was born, she knew the cry of hunger. She knew the cry of pain. I mean, she knew the cry. And and that's the way we got to be whenever we've got somebody that has just dedicated their life to the Lord. We got, we got to know their cries. We got to know their pains. We got to know and, and protect them and keep them away that they don't fall. Because if you just get somebody make a change in their lives and get saved and everything and you don't teach them and you don't train them up the enemy is setting back he sets back and and he watches for the young and for the for the old and for those that's feeble and those that's let their guards down in other words for one that'll stray away that's the way he works i mean if you ever watched a, a jungle movie and and out in Africa, you know, the big tigers, they come up there and they see those antelopes or whatever they're hunting and, and they'll sit there and they'll squat down in that grass and they'll begin to watch them. And they'll watch for, a, if a mother lets a little one stray away over here somewhere, he gets, he focuses on one. And when he starts his chase, he don't chase the whole herd, he just chases that one. He focuses on that one. And that's the way the enemy does. He'll focus on that one that's gotten weak or maybe straight away maybe straight away and uh, I didn't even have nothing Sister Lisa whenever I got up here at all but I know God is good I know God is good it breaks my heart to come in here and, and then the word is coming out of this church that there's no more people here that's here it just breaks my heart because you know, the Bible says in the last days there will be a famine in the land, not for food, but from his word. His word. 
they're not hungering and thirsting after his word. Everybody, I don't know, is just And thank God that God has led me out of them churches that was like that. I mean, there's some good people in those churches, don't get me wrong, and good Christian people. They just got deceived. They got into a form and a fashion and a jump and a shout, but it's not doing them any good. You know, I want something in God whenever... I want something to help me battle. I want an armor, Sister Kathy, to help me fight. I want an armor to help me defeat the enemy. I want the armor that if I come up against somebody that's fighting a battle, I want the armor and the faith to believe that I can pray for them and God will move right then, not six months down the road, but right then that people can see results. I want the armor that like Jesus did whenever the the man had levers and you want to know that I can't remember who it was if he was with him or something the other and told him he told us put your hands in your coat and it come out it had leprosy on it and Jesus told him said put your hands back in he pulled out it and it wasn't there no more that's the kind of anointing and a walk I want with God that you can see people going through something and I believe that's where God is bringing us to I fully believe it you may not believe it and if that's way you don't believe it and you don't believe it that way I believe it that way because Adam in the garden of Eden the Bible said he had full dominion he had the fullness that he was created in the lightness and the fullness and that's what was lost in the garden of Eden so if it was lost in the garden of Eden and Jesus paid the price for it for us to have it back then why can't we possess it because I think that's what God intends for us to do, to possess that fullness that Adam had in the Garden of Eden whenever he lost it. That's what God, that's what Jesus paid the price for to bring us back in right standing, in right dominion, full dominion, reconciliation, that we could have what Adam had that he gave away to the devil. That's what Jesus paid the price for that we could walk in the fullness of Christ, that we could walk in the fullness, Him dwelling in the temple. That's what Jesus paid the price for. It wasn't just for our sins, but that was the first step. We had to get we had to get sin out of our lives that God could turn back. It's not it's not us. It's not me. Because if be sin in my life, God can't even look at me. When I pray, I have to pray to Jesus, and he has to be my advocate. Because these things in me that God cannot look at, but Jesus paid the price, and he walked in that, and he suffered, and he knows what it is to suffer through the, the flesh thing because he was flesh. He was in the likeness of simple flesh, so he knows and he understands. But God made a way that we could have the same thing that Adam had when he gave it away. He paid the price for that. That's what I want to possess. I want to possess the fullness of Christ. That is what I want to possess. I want to possess that part of the fullness that don't matter what I go through, what I have to deal with, that I've got to trust in God enough to know if it comes my way, 
it first had to pass by him and he had to get permission to do it to me. That is where I'm wanting to be. Because if it comes my way, I can say, devil, this is a trial. You've went just like you done with Job and you talked to God and said, oh, if you'll take everything he's got, said, he'll curse you to your face. I want to have that kind of walk that Job had with God. That when his wife spoke to him and told him, he said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, you woman, he said, you talk of the foolish woman. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But how many times we go through things, we start blaming God for it. Start blaming him for it. Say, it's his fault. Say, it's his fault. I've done it. I've, I've, lots of times I thought, wow, this is what it takes to be the Christian. If this has been a Christian having to go through this storm, I don't want no part of it. Why bother? If it's going to be like this, why do I want to, why don't, why don't I want to deal with it for? I thought being a Christian was all flowers and roses. Yeah. Being a Christian, I thought everything was good, that you, you've got a Jesus that cares and a God that cares. And that's lots of times a, a sinner, folks, you start talking to them and say, well, well, if God is God, why, why does he allow these things to happen? It's that free will, that free will that God gives you. That free will, you've got the free will to do what you want. He, want. he wants you to do the things that he wants, but he won't force himself on you. He won't force you. He won't make you do it. He might make you wish you had, but he won't make you do it. That's just like he won't make me do the things that he's got planned for my life. Things might get so bad that I wish I had have done it. But I know God has got some great things for the church. I know he's got great things for this area because I know I'm not trusting my pastor enough to know that God sent him up here and said he was going to do a work up here. I I got enough trust in him to believe that he's telling me the truth and he wouldn't mislead me in no way. And I believe it with all my heart that something's going to take place. God's going to do something because I believe that if God said he's going to turn Carter K and Nella J upside down and put it on the map, I believe it. I do. I believe it with my whole heart. I believe it. I don't know what, what it's going to take to make it happen. Only God knows. But you know, the only way we'll know, you know, is through the Spirit. Everything that God does is revealed through the Spirit. That's the only way you're going to know is what God is wanting to do for this area. So it's just pray and ask God to lead us in the Spirit and show us what He wanting, what His plan is for this area right here, for this church as a whole. So that's the only way we're going to know. We can't know it. By the flesh, but we have to know it by the Spirit. You have to know it by the Spirit. You have to be led by the Spirit. He said, if you're led by the Spirit, you have to be led by the Spirit. And I believe it this morning. I believe it my whole heart. I believe it. I felt it over a while ago when Sister Lisa was talking about the homecoming. I believe God's going to do something in this homecoming. If people will get in here and begin to pray now for this homecoming. 
it's more than natural food. Natural food will go in your mouth and it'll leave you. You'll, you'll lose all that. But if you'll get something in God in this homecoming and these services, it's going to be out here by this little tent. And I believe that's where God's going to start changing things. I believe, I believe it my whole heart. I felt it over a while ago that God is going to change this area, change this church. It's going to be different after this homecoming. I believe it. I believe it with my whole heart that God is going to stir up somebody. And I believe you're going to start seeing this church fill up. I believe it. I'm going to be praying for it. Write it down. Tack it up on you all. But I believe God's going to do something. I believe God's going to do something. That's what it's going to take. And it's going to turn it around. Turn things around. And I know people don't come here because we don't have a big song service. I know that. A lot of people don't come here because we don't have a big song service. We've had people to come here and said they're going to make this their home church. Even people that we know, Sister Pat, they come and they make the statement, but then you don't never see them again until they start going through something. But believe me, when they start going through something, they start battling the devils. They know where to come to to get the devil off of them. We dealt with it at our church when everyone was going to sit to kill Patrick. It was the same way. You could tell when people came in, they was in a battle because that's the only time you'd ever see them, the one who was in a battle. But what they didn't realize, if you come and get under the word and upon the anointing, you wouldn't have to fight the many battles that you fight because you would have something to defeat the enemy whenever they came your way. If you ain't got nothing to fight with in your battle, when you start to go into battle, you ain't got nothing to fight with. You're going to get beat up. You're going you're gonna to lose the battle. But if you got something to fight with, like you said, Sister Lisa, whenever you had that, I believe it was a dream or something about the whole armor, and it was stacked up over it, and it didn't have no dings or bruises in it, and didn't have no blood on it. We've got to practice with our armor and what we've got to fight with to know that it works for us. If you don't, if you don't practice with what you fight with, then you don't know that it works for you. You going out in confused and chaos and wondering if it's going to work for you or not. If you take that shield out there and you hold it up, when them people start coming at you with them swords and spears and everything, you get to wonder, well, is this thing going to withstand all that? It's got to be proved. You got to be proved. Know that it'll stand. Know that it'll stand. It's got to be proved. So I say let's put on the whole armor. We have to put on the whole armor of God. Every one of us. That we can stand against the wiles of the devil. That it'll cast off them fiery darts that's thrown at us. You know whenever any nation goes to war, they don't go to war without strategy first. They have to know the strategy. They get, they'll begin to watch the enemy, too. You know, even after they get in war, you'll have those uh, commanders and everything. They get there, you know, there's big generals and everything, and they say, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And so if they're doing that, we've got to do this, and, and that way we'll have them. So there has to be a strategy drawn forth before you go against the enemy, and that's the way it is whenever the devil comes to us. We have to get that strategy. 
And I believe that's where it comes into play, Sister Lisa, whenever we see the enemy attacking certain ones and, and our families and, and what they're dealing with and everything. We have to name it by name where we know how to fight it. Put it in prayer and we know how to fight it there. Because just like our battle at home, we can't win our battle in the flesh. We can get in the flesh and get mad and say, if you don't do it this way and you don't quit doing this here, we're going to jerk your head off and spit down your throat, but it ain't going to do no good. It ain't going to do no good if we take it in that, in that direction. And and I hate to tell you, but a lot of people think that Christian people are not supposed to get angry about anything. The Bible said that Jesus said, you know, you get angry and sin not. You can get angry, but... But we don't need to, really, especially if we're having lost people watching our lives because they do watch our lives, and lots of times you're helping people you don't realize you're helping. So we have to be careful. And uh, we have to be careful, and if we do anything that's out of the ordinary, we need to be man enough and woman enough to go to them and say, Look, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have acted that way. I ask you to forgive me. Uh, I don't ask God to forgive me. I want you to forgive me for it. So... If everybody's ready, I'm ready for the word. If you would, please stand to your feet and let's welcome our pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When you start out with prayer for you, Sister Pat. <laughs> How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to prayer and let's ask God to. Give us understanding, because I believe that's what we need, understanding. Amen. But Justin, turn me down just a little bit. It's kind of echoing on me. So, right now, Father, in the name that is above every name, for you said there is no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved than by that name of Jesus. So in that name that opens the door to your throne, God, give us understanding. As Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, and I believe it was verse 17, he said that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened in the mystery and the knowledge. Holy Jesus, Nura. Let thy spirit and thy word and the revelation of thy name and thy word and thy spirit, let it set down in this place today. God, that we might have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the spirit is speaking in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good praise. Hallelujah. Y'all go ahead and be seated. You got me too low now. I can't hear myself. Thank you, Jesus. And I appreciate the Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing. I tell you, I am. They're just a working of the Spirit. And we got to go up to Pigeon Forge, me and Brother Michael, uh, Friday night. And we were with Brother Mark Waldrop from down at Jasper, Alabama, and I got so tickled at them. They have a church retreat up there every year, 
And we called him to find out where he was. And we got over and they had a four-story cabin. And they had 30 people packed in it. He said, we're here, but we're here like sardines. But, they was, but we sat down at the table Friday night. And for two hours, we studied the Word of God. And I told Brother Michael when we left, I said, man, I said, I got to live my life like this, just expounding on the Lord, just sitting and teaching the Word of God. There's something just rolls, just something just moves in me when it comes to teaching the Word of God. And I just get so excited. And if there was some way that the Lord would, I'd be some more teaching every night. I'd absolutely be some more teaching the Word of God every night because this is what I live for. This is my life. But before I get into the Word today, uh, last Monday night, and man, I wish y'all would pray y'all's way in prayer. I really do. Last Monday night, the Spirit of the Lord fell in this church. So it was unreal. I think we started prayer around 7.30, 7.45, and it was almost 9.30 before we come out of prayer last Monday night. And the Spirit of the Lord fell on me, and I cannot tell you the things that God spoke. I think Brother Justin got a lot of it on his cell phone, but I hadn't had a chance to go back and listen to it. But I do know one thing. The winds we had Tuesday night was a result of what God had me pray Monday night. Because the Lord took me back, and we was in Alabama in April 2011 when them tornadoes hit. Y'all remember, God liked to wipe Tuscaloosa, Alabama off the map. And then he moved on up to our area. But the Lord had spoke to me a month before and told me to, Take our church into prayer and fasting because the devil's going to try to destroy God's people. And I sent letters out to preachers. And I said, at this time of the month, we're going to prayer and we're going to start seeking God. We're going into a seven-day fast. And right in the middle of that fast, Sister Pat's when them tornadoes hit. And we had come to the church that evening to go to prayer when them tornadoes hit. And they hit seven miles west of Fort Payne and killed 33 people. And God told me, he said, if you had not obeyed my voice, he said, I would have took Fort Payne off the map. 33 people died out there in a trailer park six miles west of Fort Payne. And God said, I moved that thing because you hearkened to my voice and you took your people to prayer and seeking my face. And it wasn't just about a week after them tornadoes hit, the Lord spoke to me. He said, if this don't get people's attention, he said, what I'm fixing to send will be like a gentle breeze. He said, I will get people's attention. There's, there's a moving and a working of the Spirit of God. And, you know, I, I've told y'all, God visited me about two weeks ago up there in that trailer and told me the testimony of Jesus was the spirit of prophecy. And then I come in here a week after that, and I preached on the word of the Lord shall roar. And I told y'all the spirit of this, these prophets and this, these holy apostles fixing to step on the scene. And I was on my knees right there Monday night. And God took me out in the spirit. And I saw just like a horizon, just like I was looking at a landscape. And all of a sudden, a split come in that horizon this way. Not this way, but this way. And I saw Elijah step out. And he stepped on the scene. And God said, the word of the Lord and the anointing that was in them holy men of God, Moses, and Elijah, and Paul, and Peter, he said, they won't just like that. He says, it's going to step on the scene suddenly. Suddenly. I saw it suddenly step on the scene, and they begin to speak. And when they begin, whoa, when they begin to speak, ain't nothing going to stand before them. You hear me? And I, I went back, 
And I, 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 the Lord put it in my spirit, and I went back to First Kings 17, the very first verse, and it said, And Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, There's nothing in the scripture before that that talks about Elijah. Don't know where he come from. Said he was a Tishbite. You look that up, it means he come from a, a, a providence or a city called Tishbeth, but you can't find nothing in history about it. Just said it was a town out of Galilee. There's no history of it. You look up any other town, any other province in history, Google it, you'll find something about it. There's nothing about Tishbeth. So Elijah just showed up out of nowhere. They don't know where he come from. He just stepped on the scene, went to Ahab. Said Ahab, he said, because of your wickedness, because of your evil, because of your wife Jezebel's basically what he told him and her witchcrafts. He said, there'll be no dew and there'll be no rain unless I say so. According to my word, he said, he shall not rain and it shall not dew for the next three and a half years. He said, God shutting up the heavens. Unless I tell it to rain, they ain't going to rain. Unless I tell the dew to fall on the ground, they ain't going to fall on the ground. He said, it's according to my word. Now that's power with God. That is power with God. And we fix in the, this thing, I'm telling you, stepping on the scene. Because we cannot have the church brought to maturity unless we get these ministries. It's going to take these ministries to drive back the forces and powers of hell that's on this generation. It's going to take this kind of a word and spirit to get the church's attention today. You can't get the church's attention today. You can't get it. If something don't change, don't change quick with people. God's fixing to raise him up a new people. I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, God's fixing to raise him up a new people. I sat there for two hours Friday night and expounded the Word of God and went into some of the very things God's teaching us. And those people sat there with notebooks and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and didn't have one negative thought. Didn't have one bad spirit. Didn't have one. And one man sat there and asked questions and asked questions and asked questions and I explained it to him by the Scripture. Makes sense. That makes sense. Now I know why that I hadn't had Miracles in my life and deliverance. And the church has taught me all my life that these signs ought to follow them that believe. He said, now I know why this ministry. He said, took me out from under the condemnation. Took the confusion out of my heart. Yes, come on, Kept me from feeling like there's something wrong with me. That I was failing God. That I wasn't doing what God had chose me to do. He said, man, Brother Metter, you make sense. So when I got through, I prayed with him. Man, Brother Mark was on his feet shouting. He said, he said, man, y'all don't have to go back tomorrow, do you? I said, no, we can wait till Sunday morning. <laughs> Brother Michael said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> he said, i got to be in Fort Payne. So I said, oh, okay. So we prayed with him. And I thanked him for letting us be a part of their church. That was their church retreat. I thanked him for letting us be a part. And that brother had asked all the questions. He said, well, when are you coming back? <laughs> he said, we love our pastor. He said, but man, your preaching makes so much sense. 
And he said, it's, feel like it's trying to take, I said, it's trying to take you somewhere. Amen? It is trying to take you somewhere. But you, you mark what I'm telling you. This word just going instantly. Something's already started. Something's already started. Y'all hear me? Something's already moving. Y'all remember when I saw Jesus coming down that road right there? He started out down there, a normal size man. He took three steps. He's right here beside this church, and he's 100 feet tall. Hallelujah. Every time I seen him, he, he grew, and he grew. It's time to grow. Time to grow. Amen. Time to grow. But if you don't get fed something besides milk, you can't grow. You know, a baby can only grow so far on milk, and then it's got to start having different food. Got to start having different food. You take these little old calves up here that uh, we see. They'll start out on milk, but they don't stay on milk. They start eating that grass. Because they stay on that milk, they're only going to grow so far. And they got to have something else. Amen? they got to have something else. There's something working in the Spirit of God. And the Lord began to deal with me. I don't even think I marked my scriptures. I ain't even marked my scriptures. I just have to go by what I got written down. I got so caught up in this word and got so excited about what God's doing. I still got, unless y'all just want me to preach last week's all over to you again. <laughs> but the Lord spoke something into my spirit because I felt like last week, and I'm going to Matthew 16 if y'all want to know where I'm going, because I felt like last week, God started giving us some understanding and some insight into how the church ought to be operating. Anybody feel that way? I felt like God started opening our understanding to the function and the purpose of the church. And I'm going to get more in these next couple of weeks if God will let me. I'm going to teach on the church and the function and the purpose of the church because we can't just keep coming in here and sitting down here in good preaching. Something got to happen in our lives. Are y'all with me? Something got to happen in our lives. We got to find out what we're here for. We got to find out what our purpose is. We got to find out what the purpose of the church is. Because the church ain't doing nothing. I don't, I, I'm talking about the church as a whole. Ain't doing anything. Not much happening. Amen? Not much happening. So... I'm going to do my best to expound on the Word of God and what God's put in my spirit. And I don't know, I just might sit down and teach. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, to me, people teach, need teaching more than they need preaching. I mean, people, uh, preachers preach. Man, I, when I was evangelist, I'd preach it. Man, I'd preach hard and I'd preach fast. I mean, it's like machine gun. I'd preach hard and I'd preach fast. But, and that's good. You preach hard and you preach fast, people will shout, they'll say amen, they'll get excited. But when everything settles down, what have you learned? What have you learned? God ain't excitement and God ain't emotion. But people think if you ain't had excitement and emotion, you ain't swinging off the rafters, running the aisles, and jumping the benches. You ain't had church. I don't like that phrase, let's have church. I just don't like it. Because God ain't excitement. 
If God touches you, will you get excited? Oh, yeah. Can you get emotional about God? Yeah. But God ain't emotion, he ain't excitement. If something don't go down in your spirit and you don't retain something, what good is the Word? What good is being in the presence of God if all you're going to do when you feel the Spirit of God? You're going to get excited and you're going to get emotional. You know, I've ministered to people and lay hands on them spoke the Word of wisdom, the Word of knowledge. I'm not calling it prophecy anymore because it's not prophecy. Prophecy is to edify the church. When you're ministered to personally, it's the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. It's not prophecy. Because prophecy is for the edifying of the church. And I'm telling you, the spirit of prophecy is one of the signs Joel gave of the latter-day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Did y'all realize that? Because he said, upon your sons and your daughters, I'm going to pour out of my spirit and they're going to prophesy. You don't see our sons and daughters prophesy. You don't see our sons and daughters prophesy. But he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. This time, it's going to be poured out on all flesh. They're going to be an act of God in the earth. God's bringing conviction. God's bringing conviction. You hear me? God's fixing to smite people's hearts because of their sins and their rebellion and their disobedience. There, there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's coming that's going to bring the spirit of prophecy in the church. And our sons and daughters are going to prophesy. And it ain't going to be this, yea, the Lord would say unto thee, thou art the apple of my eye kind of thing. Shea, the Lord would say unto thee, if you don't get your house in order, you're fixing to die kind of thing what it's fixing to be because God's making up his body. He's making up his church. Hallelujah. God's getting him a bride together. Do y'all know that? God's getting him a bride together. I remember it was way back in 1997. I was preaching in a house over in Mississippi. And I was back in the bedroom praying. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm fixing to do something I ain't never done. And I won't never do again. And so I started, I said, God, there ain't nothing that you've done that you won't never do again. He said, I'm going to do it one time. I ain't never going to do it again. And I started questioning the Lord. I said, what you going to do? What you going to do, Lord? He said, I'm going to take me a bride. He said, I had never done it before. And he said, I want to do it. He said, I won't never do it again. Take it one time. One time. See, people don't know what the church is. They don't know what the bride of Christ is. They don't know what the body of Christ is. Let me clarify something to y'all. Does anybody know what the body of Christ is? Somebody tell me, what's the body of Christ? What's the scripture say? What's the body of Christ? Church. The church is the body of Christ. Amen? The church. Okay? Now, the Lord ain't joined himself to the church yet. We're feeling his spirit. We're feeling the wooing and the drawing. But until the church gets clean, he ain't going to join himself to the church. There's not going to be any son of man ministry or any son of God ministry until after the Lord joins himself to the church. Do I have to break biology down to y'all? 
when a man and woman get married, then they have kids. So until Jesus takes him a bride and they become one and the Lord becomes intimate with his people, they ain't nothing going to be conceived and brought forth and produced. Now, does that make sense? So we need to quit thinking that this Son of Man ministry is just going to step out here. That these sons of God are just going to step out here. Now, I tell you what's fixing to step out here is a word that's going to clean the church. Word going to get sent out of the camp. Word going to bring fear in the house of God because somebody's going to lie and grieve the Holy Ghost and they're going to fall down dead and they're going to talk about the church dead. That's where this thing's going. What I preached to y'all two weeks ago, what I told y'all when the Lord spoke to me, I heard the audible voice of the Lord, said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We ain't seen the word and the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost. That will now, I saw it step on the scene. I mean, just one second it was there, I wasn't there, next second it was there. I mean, just that quick, God just stepped on the scene, that word began to roll out of holy vessels. We got to have it. We got to have it. We can't go to maturity without it. Amen. Is that what the word says? He gave these ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying or the teaching of the body of Christ. And what are people pressing for? People ain't being taught this. If I ask y'all, what Jesus come for? And I thought, Brother Donald, been reading my notes, and I walked out there, and he was exhorting a while ago. I said, man, he's been spying on my notes. If you ask anybody, what Jesus come for? What they're going to tell you? Forgive us of our sins, save our souls. As far as it goes. Yeah. He sacrificed to save you. But that was the first step in preparation to sanctify you for the purpose he put you here for. Amen. That's the first step. That's the salvation, if you want to say it, is the first step in sanctification. He got to get you clean. Save you, get you clean. And then he starts trying to sanctify you. Whoo! Y'all remember, it's been about six, eight months ago, Lord told me sanctification's coming back. Sanctification's coming back. People don't preach on sanctification anymore. Says Pat, I remember. I, I, you probably remember. People used to preach on sanctification. You used to preach on it strong. Because once you give your heart to God, you went out here mixed and mingled with the world, church would shun you. They'd shun you. You want to go out here and live like it is? It's one thing to make a mistake and mess up. It's another thing to just go out and commit sin willingly. And if you ever confessed salvation, you ever confessed the Holy Ghost, and then you went out here and mixed and mingled with the world on your own, they'd shun you. Because that ain't sanctification. You was taught to come out of the world. You was taught to live clean and walk upright and not mix and mingle with the world. That's what the Lord said in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. 
He said, Come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. And if you'll do this, I will be your father. You will be my sons and be my daughters and I will walk in you and I will live in you. And then he went on down to chapter 7 and he said, Therefore, dearly beloved, having these promises, what promises? That if you'll come out of the world, that if you will come out of the world and touch not the unclean plant, I will live in you. I will dwell in you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, and I will be your father. Therefore, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, Brother Matter, how do you perfect holy? You practice it. You practice it. People don't practice God's teachings. They practice getting angry. They practice getting upset. They practice vexation. They practice aggravation. But we don't practice applying the Word and the Spirit of God to our lives and trying not to get upset. Self-denial is more than just prayer and fasting. Self-denial is denying your flesh the pleasure of getting mad. You know, they come out with a, a, a country song years ago and I heard, heard a couple of lines in it and they said, I just want to be mad for a while. <laughs> now, can you imagine a Christian making, y'all just leave me alone? I just want to be mad for a while. What kind of testimony you got if you just want to be mad for a while? Now, if it's about sins, about aversion to evil, if it's righteous indignation or, or, or righteous anger, that's why Jesus said you could be angry and sin not because you get angry over unrighteousness. It ain't just your flesh getting upset. Or as we heard Brother Cromer preach down in Fort Payne. Y'all know they had that movie out years ago where they had that doll named Chucky. And Brother... Cromer nicknamed the flesh Chucky. And he said, y'all need to keep y'all's Chucky under subjection. And I sent him a text on January the 2nd after the Lord spoke to me in Fort Payne about being baptized into the death of Christ. I said, Brother Cromer, I said, we preach Chucky's funeral today. <laughs> we preach Chucky's funeral because when you get baptized into Christ, this body of sin dies. And that's what I'm pressing for. I want to be baptized. Amen. I want to be baptized in the body of this death. I want to be baptized into Christ. Completely different being baptized in the Holy Ghost. You be baptized in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. You can have miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance. But until something is put in you that's going to kill your carnal man, and keep your idle carnal mind from controlling you. You're going to keep right on sinning. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how great God uses you. And how many signs and wonders you have. If there's not a baptism that baptizes you into Christ, this, this the body of sin is going to keep on living. And I know people don't believe that because they've been taught, well, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you've got everything you need. Well, why do people fight? against the nature of sin so hard. 
Why do people that are baptized in what we call the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire, why do they fight the sin nature so hard then if it's supposed to deliver us from it? Ooh, I'm getting on some, getting on some holy ground. Ain't I? <laughs> getting on sacred ground, what people have been taught. But that's why people have left the church. I've seen people backslide because they couldn't get victory over sin, couldn't, couldn't get themselves in the place they needed to be, and they kept doing the things they were doing before they got saved and received what they called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they go talk to people and talk to them. Well, you got the Holy Ghost, man. You ought to have what you need. The Holy Ghost is for the anointing. It's for the gifts. It's for miracles. It's for healings. But it will not put your flesh to death. Woo! Say, Brother Matter, you know what you're talking about? 45 going on 46 years of serving God, and I still got a battle of sin nature. Still got to battle it. Still got to wrestle with this carnal mind. Amen? Still ain't reached the place Jesus said he'd reached. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, in me you're going to have peace, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Any of y'all sitting out there, have you overcome the lust of the flesh? Have you overcome the lust of the eyes? Have you overcome the pride of life? No, we still have lust of the flesh. We still have desires in the flesh. We still have the desires, the thing that this, this carnal man wants. We see things, we want them. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Me and Brother Michael got out up there Friday just to get some exercise and walk around. Went out to one of them outlet malls and people were stacked in there hand over fist and buying, buying, buying. And most of them didn't even need what they buy. We go out shopping. We buy stuff, buy stuff, buy stuff because the flesh wants it. And nine times out of ten, it ain't nothing we need. It's just something our flesh wants. Ooh, did I say that out loud? I believe the Bible said the lust of the eyes is never full. Just say the lust of the eyes is never full or the lust of the flesh, never satisfied, never satisfied because your flesh is always going to want. But Jesus said, I've overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and I've overcome the pride of life. That means he battled the same things we battled. That means he warred the same things we warred. Amen. But he said, there's coming a time. I'm going to give you a, an anointing. I'm going to give you a baptism. I'm going to baptize you into my death. And you're going to put on my death. You're going to put on my mind. You're going to put on my spirit. You're going to put on my nature. And that carnal mind ain't going to rule you no more. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. And that's where we're headed. But you've got to start teaching people that Jesus was something for something more than just to forgive sin. And that's what people don't want to do. Because when you get into teaching people that there's more than just forgiveness of sin, then there's something required of people. People love that going to the altar. They love feeling the Spirit of God move on. But they don't love when they got to apply their lives to the Word and start trying to sanctify themselves. Lord didn't say, cry out to me to cleanse you from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. He said, you cleanse yourselves. Ooh. He said, there's things you got to do. Just like I've heard people get in and pray, Lord, break up my fallow ground. No, that ain't what God said. God said, you break up your fallow ground. We want God to do everything for us. 
Boy, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> Whew. All right. I'm going to Matthew 16. And I'm going back to verse 13. Now, a lot of times when I post these scriptures, if y'all go back and read up above them and below them, because a lot of times I ain't got the room to put all these scriptures in your notes. I'll put the ones that I think are most important. But go back and study what's above it, what's below it. Keep it in context. Anybody can preach out of context. I don't try to preach out of context. I try to keep things in the set of the scriptures. So I'm going back to verse 13 in Matthew 16. When Jesus came in the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am. See, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. They said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or so one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to stop right there. The scripture has never been interpreted right. Never been preached on. It's never been brought to people so that they can find out what they really need to be building on. If I stop right here and I ask y'all, what's the foundation of the church? What you gonna tell me? Do I have to pray for God to heal y'all from locked jaw this morning? Talk to me. Jesus Christ. If I ask you what the foundation of the church is, what would be your first answer? Jesus? You ask most people what the foundation of the church is, they're going to tell you Jesus. Okay, so, what does that mean? Now when you go to that step, they're going to look at you and blink their eyes 14 times. Well, well, well what do you mean, Brother Matter? That means it's, it's Jesus. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Are y'all with me? Because he said right here. He come out of Caesarea and he come and asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John raised from the dead. I was dealing with this scripture somewhere one time and my wife seen that and she said, well, I hope John found his head. I said, could nobody but you come up with that? She said, John the Baptist was raised from the dead. Said he got to find his head. Said because they took it to Herodias, the king's wife, and a charger. And they don't know what she done with it. All we know is they took him in prison and buried him when he was beheaded. 
I said, couldn't nobody but you think of that. She just comes up with these things. So, Jesus turned and asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, thou art the anointed one, the Son of the living God. Now listen to what I'm telling you. The Lord told me years ago, back in the 80s, when he started revealing this to me, he said, where you see the son, the word son, he said, you write down flesh. He said, thou art the Christ, the flesh that God lives in. Thou art the physical body that God has made a tabernacle and a temple that I'm going to live in. And that's what Peter told him. He said, Thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Simon, son of Barjona, blessed art thou. For flesh and blood has not revealed it to this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to me. And thou art Peter. And Peter's nickname was a stone. And then when Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about he was going to build his church on Peter. Peter don't have nothing to do with the foundation of the church. The rock that he's going to build his church on is the revelation that God will live in man in power and authority and dominion and the Christ will come forth in the flesh. This is the rock. This is the revelation of the word that he said upon this. I will establish a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Do we have a church today that the gates of hell can't prevail against? People are getting beat up left and right. People are being tore up, tore down, bound, depressed, discouraged, sick, diseased. Where is this church? Where is this church the Lord said he was going to build? And if he don't build it now, when's he going to build it? Somebody talk to me. Listen to what I'm saying. It's been taught wrong that all Jesus came for was salvation. It's been taught wrong. Hallelujah. So I started with that and right there. And then I went on. Telling people they got to learn to fight. You got to learn to fight. Paul said, I run. He said, and I run in a race. He said, but if you run in a race, you run to obtain a prize. He said, I'm running to obtain a prize. What did Paul say? He said, I pressed toward the mark. What was that mark? Of the resurrected power of Christ living in him. Of the resurrected power of Christ living in a man. Are y'all hearing me? Paul was saying the same thing Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18. 
Are y'all here? This is what the church is supposed to be built on. This is the goal of the church. This is what the church is supposed to be fighting for. And Paul said, I fight. He said, but I don't get out here and just wildly and blindly beat the air. He said, I bring my body under subjection that the carnal mind does not rule over me. I come under subjection to my body and I don't fight as one that beats the air, but I got a target. I got a strategy. And when I ball in fist up and come at the devil, I'm going to hit my target. It's time to learn to fight, children. That's what all this prayer study and strategy is that we're studying in this prayer book. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to fight. Teach us how to war. God does not expect us to get out here and just blindly fight. Who's your enemy? What's your goal? What's your fighting for? And what are you fighting against? Oh, I'm just fighting the devil. Well, what kind of devil are you fighting? What kind of spirit are you warring against? If you don't know what you're fighting for and what you're fighting against, you don't know how to fight. I remember years back, I was in a time of fasting, seeking God, and I went and preached for a brother. And I was over two months into a fast. And the people up in South Carolina, I was staying up there, and they let me use a house to seek the Lord. And the people up there heard I was going to preach this church Sunday. He didn't have a church a whole lot bigger than this. And then he had another little side section that opened up into it and held about 100 together. I had almost 200 people outside. Church was packed out and had almost 200 people outside. And I walked out there so weak I couldn't stand up. Sat down, started talking, the Spirit of the Lord hit me, and I preached and ministered for three and a half hours under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Now I got through, I told them people, I said, I said, I ain't been deer hunting in years. I'm thinking about going deer hunting. I said, and I want me a 44 Magnum. And then people... Two or three people gave me enough money to go buy me a 44 Magnum rifle because that's what I wanted to go deer hunting. And so I went and ordered the thing. And when I ordered the thing, they ordered the wrong thing. And they come back with a gun that knock an elephant down. <laughs> thing had a shell in it that big around. <laughs> I think it was a 44 caliber or something, but it was. It, I mean, it had a huge bullet. It wasn't no 44 Magnum because the 44 is point .44. But this is like 44 caliber. And I looked at that thing, and I looked at the size of that shell. I says, my Lord. I said, if I shoot that poor deer with that, there ain't going to be no deer left. He said, no, man, that's an elephant gun. I said, that ain't what I asked y'all to order. I said, I want something to hunt deer. I said, I don't see many elephants running around in the woods in the United States. But I said all that to say this. You don't go hunting deer with a 44 caliber. You don't go deer hunting with something that'll knock an elephant down. Well, you got to know what you're fighting so you'll have the right weapon and the right ammunition to take the devil out. Are y'all hearing me? We don't know what we're fighting. We're not developing a strategy. We don't know where the church is going because all we've been taught, Jesus come to save you. And it stops right there. 
If all Jesus come to save you, why did the Son of Man himself say right here upon this rock? You ain't going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it on salvation. You ain't going to do it. Salvation will not ever stand up against the forces of hell that come through them gates. Y'all hear me? And when you look that word gate up, it means folding entrance. So then things going to come open. Them demons going to come out. He said, but upon this rock. Well, Brother Matter, that's on Peter. What does Peter have to do with the foundation of the church? See, when the church don't know what to tell folks, they make up junk. They make up some kind of doctrine, some kind of teaching, some kind of theology, but when you break it down, it don't make any sense. It don't make any sense that he would say upon Peter, no, upon the revelation of this word, uh, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, uh, thou art the flesh, that God uh, is going to manifest himself in the flesh. Uh, an authority and a power uh, and a dominion. Uh, and this is the revelation uh, of the word of God uh, that I'll build my church on in these last days. This is the revelation. This is the word. This is the authority. This is the dominion of God that I'm going to build my church on. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's with me today. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. If you go over to Colossians, it tells you what the church is. He's the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. That means he's going to be first. Colossians 1.18. Hallelujah. But you've got to know what the purpose is. Amen. You've got to know what the purpose is. The Lord spoke in Isaiah. 28, and he said, I'm going to lay in Zion. I'm, I'm going to lay in the church a solid foundation. Is there a solid foundation? Yes, sir, there is. Paul said, as a wise master builder in 1 Corinthians 3, I believe it's like 10. He said, as a wise master builder, I've laid a foundation. He said, and there's no other foundation that can be laid other than that that's already laid, Jesus Christ. Yes, it is, but it's more than salvation. It's more than salvation. Because I'm going to tell you something. Somebody comes to this altar, prays, repents, gets forgiveness of their sins. They may receive an earnest of the Holy Ghost in them. They don't have what it takes to stand up against forces of hell yet. They don't have what it takes. The Lord does not impart that until people prove their self, until they are found worthy for this gifts and anointings to live in their life. God just don't hand you gifts. He just don't hand you power of miracles. He just don't hand you, you like, y'all listening to me, the authority and dominion of God just because you repent because I've seen too many people serve God a few weeks, a few months, and then turn around and go the other way. Have y'all not? Have y'all not? Am I making sense to anybody? So we got to start teaching people that the foundation of the church is more than just salvation. It's more than just salvation. He said, upon this rock, upon the revelation of this word, that I am going to infill man and dwell in man, and there's going to be a power of my spirit. And it ain't just 
power for miracles or healing. There's got to be a power to live holy. There's got to be a power to live clean. That's what I was talking about a while ago. Till we're baptized in his death, we will never live holy and we will never live clean. You might live good, but God ain't interested in your goodness. He's interested in righteousness, and righteousness only comes through the indwelling of the Christ. Your righteousness comes through Jesus Christ in here. Romans 8 and 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned or destroyed sin in the flesh that the righteousness of God might be revealed in us. The only way the righteousness of God's going to be revealed in you is through uh, the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit of the Christ, uh, through being baptized into his death, uh, and he comes and takes his abode in you. Uh, oh my, y'all oh listen, the Lord just spoke something into my spirit. Uh, even Jesus himself, uh, my God, in in, uh, in Luke 4 and 18, uh, are y'all listening to me? Uh, he said, the Spirit uh, of the Lord is where? Uh, up on me because he hath anointed me so the anointing of the Holy Ghost will come upon you that you can preach the gospel it will come upon you that you can mend the broken hearted it will come upon you that you can preach deliverance to the captive it will come upon you that you can bind up the wounds it will come upon you that you can preach recovering of sight to the blind the anointing of the Holy Ghost will come upon you and and you can declare, uh, my God, that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, but until the Holy Ghost comes in you, uh, until it comes in you, uh, in that death of the Christ, uh, and you are baptized uh, into his death, uh, you're not going to live holy. Uh, there's a difference between it being in you and on you. Woo! It might get on you and you might do good. Jesus, Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. In Luke 4, very first verse, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So that means it went out in him. Them apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Something went down in them. <laughs> but all the rest of the times, and I think in Acts 4, when they prayed, where the house was shaken, I believe it said and they were filled with the Holy Ghost again. House Cornelius, it came on Luke 19, when Paul laid hands on the twelve up in Ephesus, came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Are y'all following with me? Y'all following with me? Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet, when he come in out of the wilderness, 40 days of fasting and prayer, seeking God, the Bible said he returned in the power. He returned in the authority of the Spirit. He come and sat down in that temple. They delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened it up and said, read. Started reading. Said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire is upon me. And by this baptism that's upon me. Did you not ever read Acts 10, 38? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. The word anoint means to pour on. The word anoint means to pour on. My God, is anybody with me? Am I making sense to y'all today? 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God was with him? How many times have y'all, and most of you have, and those of you that hadn't preached or ministered, those of you have, you felt the Spirit of the Lord come on you. You felt the anointing. You've prayed for people. You've ministered to people personally. You've prayed for God to heal sicknesses. You felt the anointing on you. And if you didn't preach, there's been times you've prayed or you've felt the presence of God come upon you. Have you not? Have you not, Sister Deborah, felt the presence of God? Brother Justin, have you not? You preached, you ministered, you felt the anointing come upon you. But that's different uh, than the baptism of the Christ getting down in you. Uh, he will anoint you to do good works. He will anoint you to do good things. Uh, he will anoint you, uh, my God, to deliver people from the oppression of the devil. But when it comes down to your relationship and your personal uh, walk with God, something has got to get inside of you. I, are you hearing me I, that's why he said up on this rock I, I will build my church I, that the Christ I, will find a body it will find a temple I, it will find a tabernacle I, and it will dwell in that flesh I, it will dwell in that flesh I, because this is I, not just salvation I, are you hearing me I, Jesus did not come just to save man's soul I, he came to reconcile man back uh, to God. Uh, do you not read in 1 Corinthians 5 uh, where he said, and he has given unto us uh, the ministry uh, of reconciliation uh, and to wit for God uh, was in Christ reconciling uh, or restoring man uh, back to God. Amen. Oh, me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why I said when he was talking about it wasn't your salvation. It's reconciliation. What did I tell y'all the Lord told me when I seen that vision? When I saw the edge of the universe and everything was out of orbit, everything was out of time. Everything was out of order. And then I saw this blinding light like an explosion. And when, they, when everything cleared, everything was back in order. Everything was back in orbit. Everything was moving in time. And the Lord spoke to me and said, What I wrought in Christ when I raised him from the dead. And then he spoke to me and he said, When man sinned, he said, It put all my creation out of order. It put everything out of time. He said, And until Jesus came and was obedient to my voice and done what he done and went to hell and suffered, hallelujah, and defeated Satan and destroyed and took from him the keys of spiritual death and he took from him the keys of hell and death which are the keys of the kingdom and then he resurrected he said what I wrought in Christ when I raised him from the dead and then he spoke to me and said this was not just a resurrection this was a reconciliation and I made the way back into the holy of holies I made the way back into that innermost sanctum where the fullness of God is I made a new and a living way. That way in the garden, I blocked 
mocked uh, with a sword of fire by the cherubims. Uh, but when Jesus came and done what he done uh, through his flesh, the veil of his flesh, uh, I made a new and a living way uh, into the holiest of holies uh, that you can walk therein. Uh, so this ain't just resurrection. Uh, this is reconciliation to take you back to where God created men to start with. When God created Adam, set him on earth, that was the kingdom. That was the kingdom. That was the kingdom. Why? Adam had dominion over everything. Had dominion over everything. Amen? Is that not what God said? He said, let us create man. Well, how are you going to create him, Lord? I'm going to create him in my image. I'm going to create him in my likeness. That don't mean he gave man a body, two arms, two legs, a head. That ain't what it means. That ain't the image of God. The image of God is preeminence, authority, dominion, total control over his creation. That's the image of God. That's the image I'm looking for. That's the image he said in Hebrews 1 and 3 that he is the express image of his person. The brightness. Amen. Brightness of his power. The express image of his person. That's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Why? Because everything he done showed authority, showed dominion over demons, over sickness, over disease, over all God's creation. He said, he said when you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Let me tell you something, when people see us, they ain't seeing Christ. They ain't seeing our Holy Father. They ain't seeing our Heavenly Father. They're seeing our flesh. They're seeing our anger. They're seeing our upsetness. They're seeing, oh, sorry, carnal man. It's time to crucify the carnal man and put him to death. I got, I told the people the other night, I said, Lord told me back in 2013, when I felt the carnal man kicking up, when I felt my anger, when I felt my, he said, you'll rebuke sickness, you'll rebuke disease. He said, you'll rebuke the powers of Satan. He said, start rebuking the carnal mind Hallelujah. start rebuking the carnal mind tell it don't have no place in you there's sometimes I get aggravated the devil I said devil won't you go back to hell where you belong leave me alone just go on back where you belong because I'm not your tabernacle I'm not your temple you don't have no right in here I'm a vessel that's been washed in the blood. I'm a vessel that's been chosen for the Christ to live in me. You ain't got no place here. You ain't got no lot nor right to even show up here. I'm a child. Do what, Brother Elder? No, sir, not even a... You ain't even got a physical address here. So don't think you're going to move in and set up housekeeping. You don't belong here. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I don't know if y'all ever heard that story. I've heard it two or three times over the years, but there was a man that, wealthy landowner, I mean on acres and acres and fields and stock, and he had slaves, and the Lord spoke to him. Oh, he was a man that loved God. The Lord spoke to him, told him, he said, Friday night, he said, the richest man in this county, he said, going to die. And he had a servant. 
They called him Old Mose. That man was always singing, always praising God, always testifying, always glorifying God. And that rich man went to his lawyer, got all his affairs set in order, picked out his coffin, got everything ready because the Lord told him, the richest man in that county. He said, I am the richest man in that county. The Lord said, the richest man in the county going to die come Friday night. He got everything set in order. Get it all his family in, told him he's fixing to go home and be with the Lord. Had all his loved ones gathered around him. Clock stuck midnight, nothing happened. He was still sitting there. Clock went on past midnight. And all of a sudden, one of his servants come in. Just a screaming. Said, Master, Master. He said, What? Said, Old Mose died just before midnight tonight. He was a slave, but he was the richest man in the county. But what God had inside of him. This is God's temple. Does the Word of God not tell us in 1 Corinthians 6? And I believe in 1 Corinthians 3. I know it's in 6 that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. But yet we're not. We're not making room for him. We're not making room for him. And I was telling the people up in Pigeon Forge the other night, I said, I preached a message a long time ago. I think I'm going to preach it again. Matter of fact, I may have stuff back here in the office. But I took this big old clear container. And I took golf balls. And wrote all the works of the flesh on them golf balls. Then I poured it up and filled it with water. And I set it there. And I said, now here we are. We claim to be full of the Holy Ghost. But down inside of us is all them works of the flesh. Just because you get saved, you can get filled with the Holy Ghost. That don't mean you got the fullness. And so as I preached, I reached in there and I take out a golf ball. Water level go down. I take out another work of the flesh. Water level go down. The time I got them 18 works of the flesh down, that vessel wasn't half full. Then I'd take that water and I'd pour it up and I'd fill it up. I said, ma'am. I said, but. I said, you let the works of the flesh back in. And I started adding them in every time I did. It spilled some of the water out. I said, works both ways. I said, God is wanting to cleanse us. He's wanting us to work on these works of the flesh. Get this stuff out of our spirit. Because the Lord said, I'm going to have a church, I'm going to have a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Y'all think the Lord's going to join himself to something spotted with the world? No. When he joined himself with Mary, she was virtuous. She was clean. Paul said in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11, he said, I've espoused you. To one husband. You've been promised to a husband, but I promised you a chaste virgin. I promised that I was going to bring the Lord a virtuous bride. And yet we still, we keep letting all these works of the flesh pop up in us. It's time to discipline yourself. Time to discipline yourself. 
And let's strive to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Because Lord fixed to take him a bride. Y'all hear me? He fixed to take him a bride. Y'all want to be part of the wedding party? Y'all want to be part of the wedding party? Or do you want Jesus to step in there on the, the day of the wedding and say, uh, what you doing here? You ain't got the wedding garment on. What you doing here? See, only the members of the wedding party have the wedding garment on. The Lord said he made a feast for his son, for his marriage. And he showed up and he stepped out there. He looked at all the people there and he saw one had not on the wedding garment. And he said, what you doing here? You ain't got no business here. You ain't got no business here. And he told his servants, said, take him out and bind him, hand and foot, and cast him into outer dark. Is that where we want to find ourselves? Is that where we want to find ourselves? I'm telling you, Lord, fix and take him a bride. He ain't never done it before. He won't never do it again. He fix and take him a bride. But he's going to choose him clean people. He's going to have a righteous, a virtuous, and a holy people. And the only way he can do that we got to let him in. There's got to be a church that's built upon this rock, this revelation of the Word. Peter ain't got nothing to do with it. Did you hear these scriptures preached when you went to church where you went to church before? That upon this rock? They tell you that rock was Peter? Heard it many times. I've heard preachers preach on. What would Peter have to do <laughs> with the foundation of the church? Thou art Peter and upon this rock. What? Isaiah said, Behold, I lay in Zion. That's the church. I lay a foundation. I lay a chief cornerstone. I lay a cornerstone that's tried and true. Peter wasn't tried and true. He had even denied the Lord. He wasn't tried. Later on, he was. But Peter didn't even have the, the Holy Ghost in him at that time. The only thing they had was the power the Lord had given to do miracles. They didn't have Y'all with me? Am I making sense to anybody? So what would Peter? I've heard this so many times upon this rock. Well, upon Peter, I'm sorry, there's just a, I'm just going to say it, just all country, and as much as I know, that just don't make no sense whatsoever <laughs> that the Lord was going to build his church on Peter. He didn't build his church on Peter. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, y'all have rejected the head of the corner. If y'all know anything about building, the cornerstone, the head of the corner is what they put in place and everything was squared and everything was plumbed straight up and down, but everything was squared because if you get that off, the whole building's whacked up. I built my first house in 95, started in 95. We finally got it built in 96. And over 50 feet 
my foundation was out a little over an inch, over 50 feet. That's per square. That's per square. The corner was square and the walls was plumb. That way I could start building and everything else would fall in place. Amen. The Lord said, I'm going to set the plumb line. Y'all know what a plumb line is? Any y'all ever used a chalk line? You can take that chalk line, you can let out a long length of string, and you can lock that plumb line, and you can hook that thing on something, and you can let that right on the bottom of that chalk line, there's a point. And you let that chalk line down, and wherever that point is, and where it stops swinging, that's straight up and down. That's a plumb line. That's a plumb bob. They used to have little. I got one. I got an old one. It's about that long. You tie a string in the top of it. It's got a point on the bottom, and it's steel. And you pull it right up out of the middle, and you hang it. And wherever that plumb bob stops swinging, you can let it right down, let it touch the ground. You can mark it right there from there to that point up there. That's straight up and down. The Lord said, I'm going to put the line to the plummet. God's setting things in order. So y'all don't have to worry about God building his church on Peter. Because Peter still had Chucky in him. <laughs> it's time to put Chucky to death. Y'all hear me? Time to put Chucky to death. Because the Lord said, I'm going to have a church. There ain't going to be no spot. There ain't going to be no blemish. There ain't going to be no wrinkle. Y'all with me? I said, y'all with me? Hallelujah. Then over in Ephesians 2, the very scripture God spoke to me about this church, 2 and 20, and upon the foundation of the apostles. I'm on page 4 right at the top. And on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That means through the Spirit of God you're His house. But everything's got to be fitly joined together. I don't know if y'all ever done any building but you got to do it whether you do it out of stone or you do it by wood. But when you put your exterior walls up and you know where your interior walls are going to join off your exterior walls, you got to put what they call a T in there, a T post. You got to put two two befores this way, and you got to put one this way. You got to nail them in that wall so when you bring that interior wall and it slides in, you got something to fasten it to. So everything has to be fitly framed. And join together so that when we try to put the next piece in place, there's something there to join it to. You don't just stick a wall in there and there's sheetrock and open space behind it and you ain't got nothing to fasten that interior wall to. If you do, it's framed wrong. Everybody said, well, Jesus already laid the foundation. Yeah, but what's that mean? He said the foundation's been laid, but let every man take heed how he builds their home. So if the foundation's been laid and you start framing, you better have somebody who knows how to frame. 
You better have somebody that knows how to frame. If it's being made out of rock, you better have you a good rock mason or a good brick mason, good stone mason who knows how to put everything in and everything comes out square. And they got a rule. You set your corner post. You can pull off three feet that way. Pull off four foot that way. And you take your string and you come from your three foot mark to your four foot mark. And when it measures five feet across, your corner square. And you got to move your strings back and forth. You get that five feet from one point to the other. Once you get that three feet that way and that four feet that way and five feet across, you square. And you can start from that square corner right there. And you can pull your line. And all four corners you build and come out square. You get all four corners you build and square it out. You can go, you can mark your strings, three feet, four feet, and every one of them will pull across five feet. That's the way you square. You square. Lord said everything's got to be fitly framed. Fitly joined together. Fitly framed. But if all you preaching is Jesus came to save our souls, you ain't you ain't building nothing. You ain't building nothing. You just got a foundation. I'm going to tell you, last Tuesday night, and that rain was pouring down, that hail was coming down, that lightning was flashing. I was glad I had a structure over my head. I wouldn't have been out there in just a foundation. <laughs> but y'all see what I'm saying? We're exposing ourselves to the forces of hell. They can come in and prevail against us. Unless we build something solid and something right. You ain't got nothing to withstand them. What did, what did Jesus say in Luke, I believe it's Luke 8? He said, the man that digs down deep finds him a rock, builds on that rock. He said, when the winds come and the rains come and the floods come, he said, they, they beat vehemently against that foundation. He said, but that house going to stand. Why? It's dug down deep. And it's built on a rock. It's built on the revelation of Christ in us. Amen. Am I making sense to y'all today? I'm doing my best. Everything fitly framed together. And it's got to be on the revelation of this word right here. This is the foundation. This is what Jesus said. Upon this foundation. Upon this rock. Upon this word. This is what's going to build a church going to stand. This is what's going to build a church going to stand. Not just Jesus comes to save. Do you, I believe Jesus comes to save souls? Yes. And he did. But he didn't stop there. Reconciliation. Amen. Reconciliation. Ephesians 5 and 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Everybody will tell you that's had any church teaching at all. Well, we can't do this down here, but as the church goes up, the Lord's going to cleanse it and sanctify it and present it to him. Ain't we're talking about he's getting him a bride ready. He's getting him a bride ready. I don't know, Brother Matter, as the church goes up, it's going to get washed, cleansed, and sanctified that he might present himself a glorious church. No, he's not. He's preparing a bride. The bride is the church. 
Now, y'all listen to what I'm telling you. The Son of Man ministry ain't the church, and the Son of God ministry ain't the church. The Son of Man ministry and the Son of God ministry is coming out of the church. It's going to be birthed by the church. It's going to be birthed by the church. Write down Revelation 12 and 1 and read it this week. Read about that woman over there that was great with child. Read about that woman over there that had a crown of 12 stars, which was the mind of Christ and the apostles' doctrine. Read about that woman over there that was clothed with the sun and had the moon under her feet. Read about that woman that brought forth a man-child. That as soon as it was brought forth, it was caught up to the throne into the glory because Satan was before ready to devour that child when it was born. That's your church. That ain't Mary. That ain't. Church will teach you that was Mary. No. That's the church God's bringing. That's the church God's perfecting. That's the church God's bringing into his mind. Because until that church comes and the Lord join itself to it, intimate with it, becomes one with it, it ain't going to produce nothing. It ain't going to birth nothing. Am I going too deep for y'all? And we keep wanting all these ministries to come. We got to have these fivefold ministries. We got to have these five ministries apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They got to come. You better be praying for them to come. I'm praying for them to come. I saw them step on the scene instantly. I saw that spirit of Elijah that's going to prophesy. I saw that spirit of Moses that's going to prophesy. I saw that spirit. That's the same spirit that's going to be poured out on you sons and daughters in these last days. That spirit was in Moses. That spirit was in Elijah. That spirit was in Peter that spoke to Ananias and Sapphira. That spirit that was in Paul when he spoke that man told him a mist and a darkness would come on him. Are you listening to me? And they have to lead him around by the hand. This is the kind of spirit fixing. Come on, you sons and your daughters. This, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the word and the anointing that's going to bring the church to maturity. It's got to come. We've got to have it. We've got to have the church be brought to maturity. But if you ain't willing to change, and you ain't willing to let God change your own nasty nature, I don't care how much the Holy Ghost you claim to be filled with. I don't care what God's delivered you from. I know people... They've been delivered from cigarettes. They've been delivered from alcohol. They've been delivered from womanizing. They've been delivered from cussing. But yet they still got their own nasty, anger, bitterness, contentious, hard-nosed, hard-to-get-along-with nature, and they've never let God change their nature. They ain't the Spirit of Christ. They ain't the Spirit. I don't care what God's delivered you from. I don't care how great God uses you for healing, salvation, and deliverance. We've got to put on that nature of Christ. We've got to put on that mind of Christ. Amen. I believe it's... Somebody find 1 Timothy 3.16. I believe that's the scripture. I want... I'm pretty sure it is. Hallelujah. Man, I'm going to tell you, this is an in-depth word. Glory be to God. What does it say? And without controversy, great is the mysteries of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Whoa, right there. For without controversy, there is no controversy. For God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit. Justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Seen of angels. You know what they saw? God manifest in the flesh of Jesus. They saw God manifest. The angels saw God manifested. Okay. That's the mystery of godliness right there. 
And with that, there ain't no controversy. There ain't nothing you can argue with. He was manifested in the flesh. Somebody tried to tell me the other day that when Mary conceived, God became his own son. I said, what kind of stupid? That's doctrine out there. That God became his own son. In other words, Jesus became his own, he was his own daddy. That's, that's done. I said, look. I said, I married a wife. And she had a son. I said, I didn't become that son. That son took on my nature. He took on my attributes. He got a little bit of his mama in him. But you understand what I'm saying? I didn't become my son. There's people that teach us that kind of stuff. It's wrong. How many many times in that prophecy three weeks ago or February 19th, God tell us we'd had wrong teaching? Told us out of zeal, out of knowledge, out of ignorance that man had taught us wrong and now God's going to teach us right. And ever since then, God's been revealing His Word. Ever since the first of the year, God, I'm, I'm going to tell you, something has started. It ain't going to happen. You ain't quit saying God's going to. God's going, something has happened. Something has started. Something's coming to pass. Something's being made manifest. For great is the mystery of godliness without controversy. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, Priest under the world, received up in the glory. Hallelujah. God was manifest. Not, not that God became Jesus. He was manifested in Jesus. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That I was manifested in flesh. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That I'm going to be manifested in flesh. And, oh, hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Not that I just come down here to save your soul from sin. I want victory over sin. I don't just want my sins forgiven. I want victory over them. I want victory over the sin nature. Amen. I want victory over the sin nature. Hallelujah. Do you appreciate the Lord today? Take these and study them. This is a great revelation of the Word right here. Take it and study it. I hope y'all still taking these and I don't know if your binder's filled up. If it has, go buy you another. But I'm going to tell you, if you go back, sometime just take time and go back from when we first gave you these binders and go through the Word that God's given and just look at it. You'll be amazed at the Word's been already been preached in this church. You'll be astounded at the revelation of the Word's been preached right here. Amen. Because God's been laying that foundation. He'd been preparing us to become vessels that he can live in. God created man to dwell in. Did y'all know that? Everything God created out here in the world, he created it for man. But he created man for himself. Man is the completeness of God. It's the place his spirit wants to dwell. That's why God made him. That's why when he made Adam... He finished his work up on six days. Seventh day, God rested. You go back and tell Joshua, Sister Deborah, God don't get tired. Because when God rested, the fullness of him entered into man. 
And man's his resting place. Man's his resting place. She was telling me how he told his mama. He was kind of sleepy and sluggish after storms. And he told his mama. She won't know what's wrong. He said, Mama, the God in me is tired. He said, I battled them storms all night. <laughs> Ain't that precious? God's wanting to give us something, children. It's here. It's ours for the taking. But God's not going to put this in any old polluted vessel. It's got to be cleansed. It's got to be sanctified by the washing of the water of the Word. We've got to present ourselves unto Christ. A chaste virgin. That's what Paul said. He said, I've espoused you. I promised you to one husband. That's what the word espouse means. I promised you to one husband. Y'all go back and search Jewish law. When somebody got engaged, it was just like being married. If the engagement didn't go through, I mean the marriage didn't go through, they had to write a bill of divorcement and set them aside. That's the reason when Joseph found out Mary was with child, the Bible said he didn't want to embarrass her because he loved her, but he was of a mind to put her away privately or privately. He was going, he was going to go to the priest and he was going to have that bill of divorcement written out, put her away, because they were espoused. They were espoused. They were engaged. They were promised. And he thought she had broke the vow. And that's when the angel of the Lord come to him and told him, said, Fear not to take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that that is in her that she's conceived of is of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You want something to be conceived in you by the Holy Ghost? Present yourself to him. Present yourself to him. I appreciate this word today. I wish more people had been here, but the way I look at it, that's their loss. That's their loss. I had somebody send me a message about three, four weeks ago. Don't quit praying for me. What do you want me to pray for you for? For you to be obedient to the Lord? Not doing it. Why should I pray for you to be obedient to the Lord when you know to be obedient to the Lord? You're just too lazy to do it. You just don't want to pay the price. You just don't want to sacrifice. I ain't praying no more. We was in prayer meeting that, what it was, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Same time you seen the Joshua and the Caleb type situation. The Lord told my wife, said, you quit praying for all these people that know to do right and won't do right. Said, you're wearing yourself out in prayer. He told Sister Kathy, when I was preaching that Sunday about the sword of the Spirit, and I saw that sword stained with blood. Sister Kathy took her out. She saw the camp, and it was like it was divided. Some was over here saying, well, I don't think i got to pray like that. I don't think i got to live like that. I don't think i got to do that. Ain't that what you said? It don't take all that, just murmuring and complaining about serving God. But then there was those on the other side. They said, we're well able. We're well able. I don't know about you, but I'm well able to possess this kingdom. I hope this shows some more clarity on the church. Because I'm going to teach on the church and try to bring a clarity to what we need to be doing, what we need to be seeking for, and where God's wanting to take us. Because we can't just get up and go through life every day and then come to church and just go through motions. Something's got to happen in us. Amen. 
Something got to happen. I'm excited about what God's doing. Anybody excited about what God's doing? Hallelujah. Yes, ma'am. Because he'd give him the revelation. He had. Well, this was before. Yeah, but this was before the. Yeah. This was right there when he said, "But who do y'all say that?" Peter said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And so Jesus said, "Thou art Peter." He said, "God has given you this. God's given you the keys to the kingdom. God's given you the understanding." Huh? He really knew that, didn't he? He did. He, he, knew. he did. He knew from the beginning. He knew from the beginning what Judas was going to do. Does it, does, it, does it not say that he chose 12 disciples and one of them was a devil for he knew who would betray him? So if he knew that Judas was going to betray him, he knew that Peter was going to deny him because he told him beforehand. When they got him in the garden, Peter tried to cut that man's head off and he ducked and he cut his ear off. He said, put your sword up, Peter, because Peter just told him. All these might forsake you, but I'm going with you. I'll go to death with you. He said, Peter, before this night's over. He already knew. He already knew. We told him that, and this came to me in prayer this morning, um, that scripture that says, um, Satan has desired to have you to sift, sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith Amen. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail thee not, Peter, because Satan has desired. Now, people that have a desire to walk with God and are hungry for God, I'll pray for them. People just ain't going, they're trifling, they're lazy, they ain't going to do what's right. I ain't praying for them no more. Lord told me not to, told her not to, said quit praying for them. They know what to do, they know what's right, they just don't want to do it. They have that much that, well, they don't take all that. Okay, choose. He did. Yeah, he did. That's the reason he. That's the reason he addressed that the Lord had showed Peter that. All right. Now, do y'all see? Do y'all see what the Lord revealed to Peter when he said, "Flesh and blood is not revealed as unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven." Then there's a scripture that says, No man knoweth the Son. Yeah. Save the Father, reveal him, and no man knoweth the Father. But whom the Son shall reveal him. Yeah. So Peter got a revelation of the Son of God because the Father revealed it to him. Right. So it's got to be by the Spirit. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, that's why we've got to have this in us. Peter didn't have the Holy Ghost in him at that time. His carnal man got in the way, he got afraid. All of them got afraid. That's why they forsook him and fled. She says, Kathy, stand on your feet, and I want you to pray over this service. That's what I felt led to do.
resist that that you have for us. We ask you, Lord, to go with us. Help us to commit new every day, God, every day, to the working of your spirit, Lord, and to all that you have for us. Let us be, God, this church, God, in this community that you have spoken of. God, the one that you have ordained in order that we can do, God, those things that are necessary for your kingdom's sake and for all of this, we're grateful, Lord. And we humbly praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Lord's trying to get us ready that wherever we're at, we can be used of his spirit. When I got through teaching the other night, I hadn't been in church, hadn't been in prayer, you know, just what we call church, but I talked. And when I got through, the Lord spoke to me about a brother that was there, laid hands on him, spoke the word of the Lord to him, had my hands on him 15 seconds, and sweat popped out all over him. There's such a fire of the Spirit hit him. I mean, he just started, just started rolling off of him because I didn't minister to him about 30 seconds or so, and sweat just poured off of him because the fire of the Spirit fell in him. That, you know, Spirit of God. Amen. That, you know, is the Spirit of God. God's trying to work something in His children. He's wooing us. He's drawing us. And prayer is a big key. It's a big key. I'm going to encourage you to get in prayer with us tomorrow night. I'm going to be right here at 7.30 on my knees ready to go to prayer. I want to see God do something. And I'm going to tell you, if God moved like He moved last Monday night, Y'all may just have to drive off and leave me here. Because I got caught up in something. And I almost couldn't come down. But that's where God wants to take us. Into places we've never walked. Places we've never been. Amen. Say, I can't imagine. Don't imagine, just do it. <laughs> just surrender. Just let God take you there. I appreciate this word today. I don't know about y'all, but to me, this word's priceless. It is priceless. It is priceless. And the more you understand it, it gets so more valuable. It does. It is priceless. It puts more value on that. <laughs> Go back. Take your binders. Start going through them. Looking at what's in and see how much of it connects together. Everything I've preached and ministered since we've it'll connect together. It's like building blocks. It'll connect together. Amen. Hallelujah. I appreciate the Lord. I'm going to receive the offering. Y'all please do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. I don't know how, but I come up with about 15 ones this week. I <laughs> don't even know where they come from. I got the trailer about 1 o'clock. Yesterday, Brother Michael brought me by and dropped me at the trailer, and I started cleaning everything out, and 